All right. Well, there we go. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. How are you? Good. It's great to see you all here. And for those of you joining us online as well, uh, we're happy to have you with us this morning. Welcome. Uh, my name is Scott. I get to serve here as director of mission and missions and all those kinds of things. Um, and it is awesome to be with you to look at God's word together this morning. Uh, so would you please stand with me? For the reading of God's Word, if you have one of the blue Bibles we've provided, it's page 1195, Hebrews chapter 11. I should probably tell you the reference. Uh, for those of you online as well, Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to read verses 1 through 3, and then also verse 6 together. That'll be our text this morning. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And then verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. My friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Please remain standing with me, actually. Uh, we're going to pray <clears throat> a special prayer over the hearing and the reading of the word this morning. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> well, two weeks ago, uh, first sermon series of January, Pastor Dustin preached about God, uh, talking about the Trinity, looking at our theme verse for the year, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Uh, and then last week, we heard a great message from Pastor Larry Young on church unity. And I heard a lot of great feedback this past week uh, that many of you were very blessed by that, as was I. Uh, so that was a privilege to hear from Pastor Larry and he talked about church unity. And so what I want to do this morning uh, is kind of a couple things here. Number one, we're starting our brand new series, Everyday Disciples. This will be a, a seven-week series that we're doing where we look at some of the core practices of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and how to integrate those into our lives in a deeper way uh, with the hope that we would all become uh, even deeper rooted and, and more faithful disciples of Jesus, our Lord. What this also does, though, as we look at these practices of discipleship, is that they will help us to glorify our God, which is what Dustin talked about two weeks ago, and as we walk with Jesus and submit to him and bear the fruit of the Spirit, it will help us to be more unified as a church as well, which is what Pastor Larry talked about last week. So it actually worked out really, really well to do this. The other thing about this is Pastor Dustin just wanted me to let you all know 
Um, he is back in town. He, when he was on study leave, he came down with some illness, so he's just at home recovering from that. Uh, but he is back, and he will be back, Lord willing, next Sunday uh, to preach. So just in case anyone was wondering, uh, yes, Dustin is with us. So, and he's watching online right now. So he's with us in spirit as well. So as we begin this series today, uh, we're going to look at praying, one of the core practices of everyday discipleship. Now, if you have a bulletin, it says learning. The reason for that is because um, I found out Friday that I was going to be preaching this morning. Uh, the bulletins had already been printed, and so that's what it is. But that's okay. We'll still hopefully learn something as well today. Uh, but we'll look at praying today. And so I'm excited to, to teach and to just bring, hopefully, the Word of God this morning uh, just to give us some practical uh, wisdom from the Scriptures of how we can exalt the Lord and walk with Him more closely as we continue to develop these, these things in our lives. Okay? And so something important uh, is that for the last 2,000 years, ever since Jesus died and rose again uh, and started the church, for the last 2,000 years, uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ have realized this profound truth that following Jesus is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And I know you all know that. And you watching online, you know that as well. And I know that. Uh, it, this is a lifestyle, right? It, it's not just, well, I come to church once a week and I pay my tithes, right? That's how I used to view the Christian life. And I grew up in the church, right? And that's what I used to think of as the Christian life. Yeah, you go to church because that makes God happy. And, you know, you give your, your tithe, that way you're not robbing God and he doesn't punish you, and that's what it means to be a Christian. You know, that's what I thought the Christian life was. Now, as we all know, it's so much more than that. And something that uh, fellow Christians of ours for the last 2,000 years have known and written about is that the Christian faith is a lifestyle. It's a life. It's following after Jesus. And while we don't physically see Jesus, as the apostles did, we walk with him in the same way they did. They literally, every day, walked with him, following him around, right? Learning how to be his disciples. And an interesting thing about that word disciple, another word that really captures what it means to be a disciple is the word apprentice, okay? Now, I don't know if there's anyone in the room here uh, who's done maybe an apprenticeship as a plumber or an electrician, right? Yep, see a hand there. Uh, Dr. Nathan is in the room. I saw him earlier. He did a residency uh, after med school, right? And what's the idea there? You, you learn, and then you spend years following a master at the craft, and you imitate that person, and you learn how to do the trade by doing it. And as you learn and as you grow and as you go through the process, you become more like the person you're apprenticing to, right? That's the idea with discipleship to Jesus. As we walk with him, as we grow in him, we become more like him as his spirit transforms us. We call that sanctification in biblical terms. And it's a really exciting thing to grasp hold of and to learn. And so our hope as a church is that over these next few weeks, uh, we'll all grow. We'll all grow more and more in our walk and our discipleship to Jesus. 
And so we're looking at these seven different disciplines, learning, connecting, reaching, giving, praying, serving, and fasting. So you already know the reason we're jumping ahead a little bit to praying uh, this morning. Okay. So uh, I want to start off really quickly here with a quote from an American author named Annie Dillard. Okay, and this is a great quote, very simple, and it simply says this, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. Very, very true. Very simple and very profound, right? So when we think about it, as we go through life, what is life, right? Our, our, our life is the sum total of how we spend each of our days, right, if you think about that. I know when I was younger, and I'm sure some of you can relate to this, I had these big grandiose visions of one day this is going to happen or this is going to happen and my life is just going to be perfect. It's going to be heaven on earth, right? What I failed to realize as a younger man is that the choices I make each and every day kind of determines how my life is going to look, right? And so when I think about that and when we think about that, the question then that, that I ask myself is I say, okay, if that's true, and one day either Christ will return or he will call me home, and that's going to be true for every one of us here who, who know Jesus, who have embraced the gospel, what is he going to say about our lives? Right? I want to hear him say, and I'm sure all of you do too, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's what I want to hear Jesus say. Right? And so, to that end, we're looking at discipleship, right? How can we become more faithful followers of Jesus? And a quick word here, and, and I'll touch on this, and I'm sure Pastor Dustin will touch on this as well. We do these things, these practices, uh, because Jesus has commanded us to follow him and to walk with him. But these things do not save us. We know that. We are saved How? through the death and resurrection of Jesus, by grace alone, through faith alone. Okay. So I want to make sure that that's clear. Uh, as, we, as we look at these things, there's a tendency sometimes when we look at sort of the practical part of the Christian life, sort of the way that we live day by day, uh, if you're anything like me, the tendency can be, yeah, how do I check all these things off and get God to be happy with me? Right? And that's not how this works. We know that. For those of us who have come to Jesus Christ and believed in him, in his death and his resurrection, as Paul said, Christ crucified and risen, we are children of God by grace through faith. Okay? And because we are God's children, now we have the privilege of walking with him and doing these things. Okay? So I want to make that clear right at the outset. Okay. Now, the passage we looked at, Hebrews, uh, highlights a few of the events and the characters from the very first pages of the Bible. So the author of Hebrews, he talks about uh, the creation of the universe, that the universe was created by the word of God. That's Genesis 1-1, right? Literally the first verse in the Bible, Genesis 1-1. Uh, he then goes on to reference Abel, one of the very first humans, who we know was murdered by his brother Cain. Uh, he talks about Enoch, another man from Genesis, I believe, chapter 5, uh, Enoch walked with God, for he was a righteous man, and then God took him. One of those verses, the first man in the Bible to be called righteous by God. Okay? And then as you go on through Hebrews chapter 11, and I would encourage you all to read through that this week, 
Um, the author of Hebrews gives all these examples of Abraham, Moses, all these people, and some people you wouldn't expect as well. Samson, Rahab, right? These people with some messy lives. And he says, these are all wonderful examples of faith. Every single one of them. And the author of Hebrews uses these examples to, to show us, the reader, how God's people have always related to God through faith. Okay. And as we jump from the world of the Bible into our world, how do you and I relate to God through faith? Right? You hear some people talk about how if you just speak the word of faith, you'll get rich and healthy and wealthy and all that. Right? Is that how it works? The answer is no, not at all. That's not how that works. No matter what the person on TV with the crazy hair told you, um, that's not how this works. Right? We are not promised in Scripture health and wealth. But we do demonstrate our faith every time we pray. Every time we practice this discipline of prayer, we demonstrate our faith, right? The author of Hebrews said what? Without faith, it's impossible to please God because the one who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek after him. And none of us in this room have physically seen God. I guarantee it. You know how I know? because we're still alive, right? We have not seen God unveiled physically with our eyes. Someday we will when we stand in his presence. Someday we will. But for now, we walk with him by faith. And when we pray to our God whom we can't see, right? Whom probably most of us in this room have never audibly heard his voice, you know, depending on, on your theology, but we relate to him by faith. We believe that he hears us. We believe the gospel. We believe these things by faith. And so that's why I want to focus this morning on prayer, prayer and daily quiet time with God, okay? And so what I'm going to do is I want to give you all sort of a practical blueprint anchored in the gospel uh, for how you can put prayer uh, into practice in your life in a way that, at least for me, has really been a blessing. And I want to share it with you. Hopefully, it's a blessing for you as well. Uh, this will help all of us to practice the way of Jesus through prayer and to grow more deeply in him and then more deeply together as a church united in the gospel. Okay, So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Now, a quick caveat here. Uh, there's a lot here. Um, so if you want to take notes, please do. Uh, I've also provided a printout here in the back at the Welcome Center. Uh, those are free to take if you would like. Uh, we will also be sending out a copy of that in the weekly e-news this week. So for those of you online as well who aren't here uh, to grab one of those physically, be on the lookout for that in your email this week. Um, so with that said, let's jump in. What I want to do is I want to give us a few different practices uh, for prayer that we can utilize uh, in the morning throughout the day, and then in the evening. So it's kind of structuring our day around walking with Jesus in prayer. And so we're going to look at sort of the vision, the practice, how we do it, and then what's the fruit that we can expect to see through all of this. And so, again, don't feel bad if you're a little overwhelmed because there's a lot here. That's why I've provided the notes. So uh, that's what we're going to do. Okay, so with that said, let's jump in. In the morning, 
what do we do in the morning? What is a great practice uh, for the morning time? I'm sure many of us in the room have found uh, that in the morning time is a great time for just intimacy with the Lord, right? We call it morning devotions. That's what I grew up calling it. In more Reformed liturgical circles, we call it the daily office. But it's just this idea, right, of starting out the day, spending time with the Lord in prayer, in Scripture, cup of coffee because we're at the Pacific Northwest, right? If you're an Argonian, that's just what we do, right? Coffee is the, the eighth spiritual discipline. That's um, <laughs> just, let's be honest, right? And so in the morning, uh, just the vision for the morning is really simple, for prayer is just to abide in Jesus, just to be with him, right? to spend time with him. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, Jesus identifies himself as the vine, the true vine. Right? He says, I am the vine, you, or as Dustin would say, y'all, it's a plural there, y'all are the branches, right? And he says, a branch cannot bear fruit on its own, Unless it abides in the vine, even so, you cannot bear fruit unless you abide in me. So, simple. The vision for the morning, if this is helpful for you, as we grow as disciples of Jesus in prayer, to just spend time with the Lord in the morning, right? Uh, depending on your season of life, my wife and I have a year and a half, an 18-month-old daughter. Um, so, the mornings can be a little hectic, you know? Um, our daughter, her name is Eliana and every morning, I say to my wife, are you ready for Hurricane Eliana to make landfall? And the day begins, and then we collapse into bed exhausted at night, right? You who've had kids, who have kids at home, you know what I'm talking about. And we just have one. I don't know how you guys do it with four or five. It's amazing. Um, but even five minutes, just to be still, open up the word, say, Lord, here I am. Speak to me. Pray and to read scripture in the morning. Okay. And the way to do this, if you're able, is through silence and solitude. Again, very simple. Just spending some time with the Lord in the morning. Really easy. And I know a lot of you are doing that. I do that, um, except for those weird mornings when my daughter wakes up before me and then, you know. But uh, yeah, it, it, that's what it is. It's just silence and solitude. Just spending time with Jesus. Just being with him in the morning, right? We sit quietly before him, listen for him, read scripture, all that, just to be with him. And then what this does for us in our lives as everyday disciples of Jesus, the fruit of this is what we call spiritual formation, right? It just means that we grow. We grow. The branch abiding in the vine just grows by itself, right? The branch isn't struggling. It isn't trying really, really hard doing a lot of good works to try and earn the favor of the vine. It's just attached to the vine, and it just grows, right? Same with you and me. Same with you and me, right? Jesus has finished the work. His death on the cross and his resurrection has reconciled us to God the Father, and we enjoy that, and that's what this is about, just enjoying the Lord, enjoying the fact that in the gospel, we are accepted as sons and daughters. That's what this is about. And it's huge. This has been really big in my life. One of the biggest practices uh, in my life has been just taking this time to be with the Lord in the morning. It's been really huge. Okay, well, in the morning then, again, the vision is that intimacy with Jesus, to abide in him as a branch abides in the vine. Okay? 
what about after the morning when the kids wake up, right, or, you know, the commute to work starts? What about that? What do we do throughout the day? Okay. As we go about our day, what do we do? Well, St. Paul said, pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. To go throughout our day just in this attitude, this heart posture of prayer. Just talking to the Lord throughout the day. Lifting our concerns and our cares to him. Praying for people. Those kinds of things. And so the vision for the daytime is to interact with God throughout the day. Okay. Now what does this look like? Okay, the main point of this then is an awareness of God's presence with us throughout the day, right? We abide with him in the morning, spend time in his presence, and then we just go throughout our day remembering the gospel, remembering we are his sons and daughters, abiding in him, being with him, right? And one thing that's really exciting about the Christian life uh, is that as we go throughout our day, and I've heard these stories from some of you here in the room and, and from some of you watching at home. These stories of how you're going about your day and then all of a sudden it seems like God just brings someone into your life that you pray for or you share the gospel with or you know what I'm talking about? Something like that. It's amazing. And that's the hand of God just moving. And, and so as you're just in that place of prayer and awareness of God's presence with you, just being on the lookout throughout the day for what God is doing. Right? Uh, a, a famous theologian once said, watch for the hand of God to move and join in. Right? It's pretty amazing. I've heard other people say in the context of missionary work, right, uh, God doesn't need you to take him somewhere. He's already there. So just go and join in with what he's already doing. You know, it's this really cool principle. And, and I found this to be really big too. When I'm just aware of the fact that I'm a child of God through Christ and I'm walking with him throughout the day. It's like, Lord, okay, who can I bless today? Bring people into my path today. That happened to me just this last week. Uh, another thing, you know, and I got to meet with a guy. It was really cool and share the gospel and just, you know, talk with him. And it was just totally unexpected, totally spontaneous. Uh, but that's how God works so often, right? And so what this does for us then uh, is it helps us to, and this is the practice for this, to model our lives after Jesus' words in John chapter 5, 19, when he said, I always do those things that please the Father, right? As we walk with Jesus, right, and the Spirit is moving in us, using, using the Scriptures to mold and shape our lives and our thinking, we find ourselves becoming more and more like Jesus. Again, sanctification, Right? We become more and more like Jesus. And we're just aware. We're watching for what God is doing and how we can join in with the great things that he is doing. And the crazy thing is that God is pleased to use us. Isn't that wild? Right? God uses us. Um, I keep using illustrations of my daughter because she's the only one I have. Right? And sometimes we'll be doing stuff at home and, and you know, it's like, do you want to help dad cook dinner? You know? And give her like a pot and a pan and she hits them around and gets in the way and falls over and cries and it takes twice as long to do it, you know, but I'm happy to do it because she's my daughter and I love her and I'm, I'm happy that she wants to join in with me. And that's a really silly example and I don't mean to be trite, but I think in a way there's something when we say, Lord, 
you've saved me. You've given me eternal life through the gospel, and I want to share this gospel with others. Who can I meet with? Who can I share with today? Who's in my life today that I can minister to and bless? I think that really pleases the heart of the Lord. That's my opinion anyway. And the cool thing is when you're just aware of the presence of God throughout the day, it will cause you and me to be those who pray without ceasing, to just go throughout our day fellowshipping with and communion with the Lord in prayer. It's really amazing. And the fruit of this, what's the fruit of this? It's an awareness and a radical kingdom orientation in our lives. Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will also be. We know that from the Gospel of Matthew. Right? And so, when we are putting our lives and our efforts and energies into prayer and into, Lord, what are you doing? How can I minister to and bless people today? How can I become a more faithful follower of you and practice this discipline of prayer? What this does is this orients our mind and our heart and our life to be focused on God's kingdom and less focused on ourselves and on the things of this world. It's really amazing. It's really amazing. And so what we do then is we just, we see the Lord move in and through our lives each and every day. And again, I've, I've talked with many of you in the room and many of you who are at home watching online, and you've told me stories of the ways that God has used you with a coworker, uh, you know, those kinds of things. It's just amazing. Uh, I don't mean to embarrass him, but I see Bill McCandless here, uh, and he's told me stories of how he has shared the gospel with many coworkers, um, it's just, it's incredible, and I love to hear that. Uh, Clyde and Lorraine Hoffman as well, same thing, just um, bringing people into their homes and, and sharing the gospel. It's really incredible. It's really incredible. And so those are the kind of things we're talking about, seeing God use you and move in some mighty powerful ways. It's really amazing. Okay, so in the morning, again, abiding in Jesus in prayer, Throughout the day, being aware of his presence, praying without ceasing, as the Apostle Paul said. Uh, and then I want to give you one final thing uh, for the evening, evening time. And I have found, at least for me, this has been helpful. Um, <clears throat> intercession, intercession, <laughs> intercessory prayer uh, is really big in the evening. Now, full confession here, I tend to waste time at night before bed on my phone. Um, any other Anyone else want to confess? Yeah, yeah. We have guarantee of absolution, so we are good. But I waste time before bed on my phone. I will confess that, right? Um, I'm trying to do better. I'm getting better at that, right? But what we do is when we spend all of our time, whether it's on the news or on social media or whatever it is, we're being formed by that stuff. That stuff is forming us, okay? And so <clears throat> the question is not, are you and I being formed, being spiritually formed? The question is only, who or what is doing the forming, right? Is it the Holy Spirit through the word, right, as we anchor our lives in the gospel? Or is it Fox News or CNN, whichever side of the aisle you're on, you know? Uh, is it TikTok, Snapchat, social media? If you don't know what those things are, ask someone who's younger than you. Oh, <laughs> right. What is it that's forming us? Okay. And so <clears throat> in the evening, we can do what the Bible says to redeem the time. 
Bible says to redeem the time for the days are evil. And one of the ideas of that word redeem in the original Greek literally means to buy back. It means to buy back the time. All right. And so what we can do then in the evening is to practice this thing called intercessory prayer where we pray for others. We pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done as we just prayed together a few minutes ago during worship. Okay? Now, this is where things, at least for me, tend to get more exciting um, when we talk about intercessory prayer. Uh, Origen, he was a church father back in the second and third century, uh, a Greek scholar, famous for a lot of things. Uh, but this quote, he said, is beautiful, and I love this. He said, one saint who prays is much more powerful than countless sinners who wage war. Right? That's, that, to me, that's profound to me. You've heard that saying, one with God is a majority. You know, it, it really is true. It really is true. You know, when we look at the scriptures, we read uh, in the Old Testament, God's people go out to, to fight, and who's at the very front of the line? It's the musicians. It's like the scrawny guys with skinny jeans, right? With their instruments and their cool hair. It's like, you know, I'm a musician too, but I don't have those things. Um, <laughs> you know, they're the ones out front, and then God's just like, all right, angel comes, kills all the enemies. Whoa, cool, easy, right? And that's kind of the principle here. God fights for us, for his people, uh, and he invites us to get on our knees and to intercede, others. As it says in the book of Ezekiel, right, God said, I didn't find anyone who would stand in the gap, right? I looked for someone to pray, to ask me to show mercy, to stand in the gap, and I found no one, right? I was just reading yesterday, Genesis 18, Abraham negotiates with God, well, if you find 50 people in Sodom, will you spare it? Sure. 45, yeah, 40, 30, 20, 10, Yep, I'll spare it if I find 10 righteous people. Cool. Now, what Abraham didn't know is there weren't 10 righteous people in that city. It was so bad, right? But it's this idea, you guys know the story, of intercessory prayer, right? Of going before God and praying. Okay. And so how do we do this? How do we intercede? Well, the practice for this is something I call aggressive prayer, okay? Not physically aggressive, right? But this aspect of prayer uh, can seem rather weird to us. When you get on your knees or, or you go for a walk or whatever it is, and you really pray, God, I'm praying for this person or for this thing or for this nation, and you really pray. You know what I'm talking about? That sort of passionate prayer uh, where you, I pray with my hands a lot when I'm, Lord, you know, uh, those kinds of things, Right? But it's this idea of really entering into prayer, standing in the gap before God on behalf of your children or your spouse or our nation or our church or whatever it may be, whatever it may be, right? And it seems so strange to us because we have grown up in the West in the 20th and 21st centuries, and sort of our heritage uh, is the Enlightenment, which happened a few centuries ago, which sort of tried to reduce everything down to just what's natural and scientific. And so it's really easy, I think, for us, I know it is for me, um, to sort of, in a sense, go about my day 
just thinking of everything in terms of what I can see, right? And I forget that the Bible tells us that there is a very, very real spiritual realm that's very active, right? And that when we pray, when we pray, God does things, right? God does things. It's really quite amazing what he does. There's this quote that I love. I actually taped it in the back of one of my Bibles, and it's really simple, and it just says this, history belongs to the intercessors. I read that many, many years ago, and it really impacted me. It really impacted me. And here's the cool thing about this. I love this. In the book of Colossians, one of my favorite books in the Bible, Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, and, and I want to always bring the gospel back into this, that when Jesus was crucified, when he died on the cross for us and paid for our sins, he didn't only pay for our sins. He also destroyed all the principalities and powers, Paul says. Paul says that God the Father stripped the devil, demons, fallen angels, all the authorities and principalities and powers in the heavenly places. He stripped them of their authority. He took it away from them. And then Paul says he made an open spectacle of them. And the imagery he's using there is of ancient kings who would go and conquer a people. And what these ancient kings would do, and this is just ancient history, um, it's pretty brutal, they would take people that they conquered, they would strip them naked to humiliate them, and then put hooks through their noses and lead them on these marches of shame and humiliation. Okay, now, that's brutal. But that's the imagery Paul uses. That's what God has done to the evil forces and principalities and powers through Christ's death and resurrection. He has stripped them of their power. He has completely humiliated them and put them under his feet. Amen? I love that. I love that imagery. Applied to evil spirits, not applied to humans. <laughs> you know, let's be clear. Right? And so that's why the Apostle Paul tells us that we tear down, literally demolish everything, every argument that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That's, that's battle language. And how do we do that? Well, Paul says the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, they're spiritual. We pray. We pray. Okay? Now, we're a Presbyterian church, have a Reformed heritage, believe that God is sovereign, right? Jesus will build his church. His purposes will be accomplished, okay? And we know he doesn't need us, right? I think we would all hopefully know that. The Lord does not need any of us. If he chose to, he could have just done all this himself, right? But what he's done is he's chosen to include you and I, to include us in the work that he's doing and to allow us to be a part of it, right? Charles Spurgeon, that famous Baptist preacher, said, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom, right? You have not because you ask not, right? So we are invited to pray, to intercede, to pray for others, okay? And what is the, the fruit of this, finally? And we're wrapping up here. What's the fruit of intercessory prayer? It's the breakthrough of God's kingdom, okay? Now, notice... It's the breakthrough of his kingdom, okay? Again, 
this is not about us. This is not, you know, health and wealth. You know, give your money and God will bring breakthrough into your life. That's not what I'm talking about, okay, at all. This is not about us. This is the breakthrough of God's kingdom, right? It's his glory, his kingdom come and be done, which is what we just pray. We just prayed that a few minutes ago, right? And what does the breakthrough of God's kingdom look like? Well, it looks like Jesus being glorified. It looks like, as Paul said, Christ crucified and resurrected, being preached, being believed, right? Sinners being turned from the power of the enemy to the power of God, right? God transferring people from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light of his beloved son. All of this, it's about him. It's about God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what it's all about. And so God's reign through Jesus breaks into this world by the Holy Spirit, and he has invited us, the church, to be a part of that. And again, one of the primary ways that we do that is through prayer, praying for others, believing faithful prayer. That's why James the Apostle said that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Right? So, as we close, what are some ways we can walk with God as everyday disciples in prayer? In the morning, abiding with him. Throughout the day, aware of his presence and being on the lookout for the things that he's doing and joining with him. And then in the evening, spending a few minutes interceding, praying for those that we know need his touch. Karl Barth, a famous theologian, a Swiss theologian from the 20th century uh, who had some good and some bad, but uh, among the good, um, he actually preached against the Nazis and uh, helped churches uh, thrive during World War II, um, stayed faithful. And Karl Barth said this, and again, I love this quote. It's so good. He said, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of this world. So profound, so good. And so we know that our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he is at work on a mission to restore all things, to reconcile all things to himself. And again, he has allowed us as his people to take part in what he's doing. We call that the mission of God. And so, at least for me, I know that looking at the Christian life this way, this life of devoted to prayer, and these other practices that we'll get to as the weeks go on, but looking at this, this practice of prayer, for me, this has been such a revolutionary thing in my life, in my walk with Christ, uh, to really look at, man, God has called me to take part in his kingdom and what he's doing. He is at work. He's building his church. And he's invited me and all of us and you and everyone watching at home, all of us, he's invited us to partner with him and to allow him to use us in mighty ways. And he invites us to do that this morning. And one of the ways that we can do that, be used by God, be more unified as a church, and be more faithful disciples of Jesus is through faithful prayer. Faithful prayer. And finally, how do we know that our prayers will be effective? How do we know that this work of spiritual formation will happen? Again, because of the gospel. We start and we end with the gospel because Jesus died for us, paid for our sins, 
reconciled us to the Father, destroyed all the evil forces, and then he destroyed death itself by rising from the grave three days later. That is our hope. That is our hope from beginning to end. That's how we're saved. That's how we grow. That is the goal, the whole point. It's his glory, his gospel, Christ crucified and resurrected. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the gospel. Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, that out of your mercy, you have invited us and allowed us, Father, to take part in what you're doing. Lord Jesus, you have called us, Lord, as your people, Lord, to be a people of prayer. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help every single one of us here in the room, Lord, everyone watching online this morning, Lord, help us, we pray, to catch this vision, Lord, and to become a people characterized by prayer. Lord, believing faithful prayer. And Jesus, we thank you, God, that you died, that you rose again, that you've given us eternal life, and that, Lord, because of the gospel, we can do this, Lord, and we have the opportunity to do this. So, Lord, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.